0: Print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And. Today, we have a really good conversation with Ryan Schutz of Bear Archery, and we talk about man a lot of stuff we talk about innovation design we talk about what leads them into uh, new design we talk about trends in the compound bow market we talk about um, customer service we talk about how customers um, influence design uh, moving forward and it's just it's a really fun interesting conversation with a company that's been around for a very long time um, one of the oldest compound bow manufacturers in the country, uh, so there's a potential that there's there's guys out there who have been shooting bare bows for 40 plus years now. Um, and if you are if you're listening to this and you're a guy who has been shooting bare bows consistently um, since I don't know what like for 40 some years, hit me up because I would I would love to have a conversation with you about, uh, like brand loyalty and things like that. So, um, really good conversation today. Um, we talk about their, the product specs a little bit towards the end, but this is, this isn't really just a, Hey, what's new from bear. There's a lot of, um, you know, like, uh, really good conversation about how they make decisions and the innovation that goes into uh, and design that goes into every new bow that they manufacture. So, uh, like I said, interesting episode. We're going to knock out some commercials here. Average Conservationist, TheAverageConservationist.com. If you haven't checked out their apparel line, I highly recommend it. They have the, uh, I'm going to call them the dad bod type fit shirts. Not only do they have some uh, really kick-ass logos, but they're they're tight in the right spots. So, for, like, for me, I got some love handles. Uh, the love handles just don't stick out as much i don't know i don't know why it is they're tied around the chest and shoulders i, I love the feel they're soft they're comfortable awesome hoodies awesome hats uh t-shirts awesome logo wear uh, a, a lifestyle brand for sure the cool part about this though is that they put out they give 10 percent right off the top they give 10 percent of their uh, revenue to a conservation fund Uh, or organization, or uh, project, or whatever. Uh, So you want to talk about a company that not only talks the talk about conservation, but walks the walk as well. And to me, that's very important. And not only uh, that's why I like working with these guys, but at the same time, it's why I, I like having Marcus, the host of the Average Conservationist podcast, on the Sportsman's Nation Network. So, yeah, big, big you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, it makes me happy. So there's that. Um, hunt stand, right? It's that time of year where we're thinking, ah, well, better, better shut it down. You know, season's over. You could look at it that way. Or you could look at it as, hey, next season just started. And the reason I say that is because there's no better time than right now to go back and look at a digital map like Hunt Stand and look at all the places you've been and just kind of refine your strategy. Hey, why didn't this place work? Why didn't this place work? Or why did this place work? Why was I seeing deer here? Why was there a whole bunch of sign when I was scouting? And then as the season gets to an end and we get into the you know the shed hunting season and we go out and we do our winter scouting, I'm telling you right now, the 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 ability to like know, leave a trail and uh, mark waypoints and drop pins and just category or, uh, you know, uh, journal. Everything you see in the woods from a scouting standpoint is only going to help you come next fall. So uh, HuntStand.com, discount code SN20 for 20% off of your purchase. And then lastly, Lone Wolf. You guys hear me talk about Lone Wolf all the time. American-made tree stand. Um, some, some changes are going to be coming from Lone Wolf. So there's going to be a couple announcements made later this year. Keep an ear out for that. And, um, man, just a badass tree stand. I absolutely love it. Uh, it gets me anywhere I need to go, right? Four sticks and an assault is my, uh, is my combination of choice. Uh, whether I'm, I need to get 10 feet off the ground or 20 feet off the ground, I can make that happen. You don't need a straight tree. Um, it, stand a stand combination like this puts you in the right tree not the best you know not a straight tree you can whether there's branches and the design it's quiet right it's very quiet so uh lone wolf uh go check out lone wolf and enter their discount code at purchase 9fc21 9fc21 and you're going to be able to save fifty dollars off all orders over two hundred dollars so Buy a set of sticks, fifty dollars off. Use the discount code. Buy I uh, I don't know, buy a tree stand. That's another fifty dollars off. So really, you saved a hundred bucks in two different purchases. That's what I'd do. Uh, other than that, let's get in. Uh, we're done with the commercials. Appreciate you listening to those. If you haven't followed, if you're not subscribed to the Sportsman's Nation uh, podcast or the Hunting Gear podcast, please do so. Tons of great information put out about that, especially if you're a gear nut. Uh, there's that. Put a smile on your face and enjoy this episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. All right, on the phone with me today from Bear Archery, Mr. Ryan Schutz. Ryan, what's up, man?
1: Not too much. I appreciate you having us. We're yeah. always excited to talk about our line.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I just about every single bow manufacturer on the market this time time of year, Uh, starts dropping hints or just straight up drops a a new bow or a new line or or several new bows and several new lines uh, like it like what you guys do and we're going to get into all of that today but uh, before we get into uh, the meat and potatoes of today's episode why don't you talk us about talk to us a little bit about your role at bear and what it is you do in that role
1: All right, so I am the product manager for Compound Bows. So really, what I do is we have multiple engineers. Our we have our factory in Gainesville. So really, got to coordinate all our team members and of course our Salesforce team. And we really gather all the data we can every year and then develop the line on. What, what are we missing? What new should we have? What current stays? Do we need to adjust any of the current? And then I guess kind of my role is kind of to make sure that, you know, all that works together so we don't miss any beats yeah. when it comes to shipping and development.
0: Okay. And I think that's a great place to start is the, the, the beginning of every new process. And, and in, This market, and I'm not familiar with any other markets out there, I'm familiar with the hunting industry market, and especially with bow manufacturers, Right there's this pressure to come out with something new every single year, especially with a bow, whether it's a new design or um, an extension of a current design or or line. How difficult is that to stay fresh every single year and, and be competitive?
1: Um, it can be. I think we're you know, where we kinda look at it each year is when I mean, you do get metrics on what people they kind of vote, right? On what bows they like by what they buy. Yep. So we use it and we have a very we have a very big line. So that allows us, you know, that we get lots of vote, you know, sometimes it's people buy a whole bunch of solo cams or they buy a whole bunch of, you know, higher let off cams like our EKO or or maybe just a a dual cam like our legit bow so we kind of focus on where we we feel people's needs are and then kind of focus there and then there's always things that we're trying to do better of course right with speed feel um draw curves vibrations been something we've been very focused at the last couple of years on always trying to get better and better and better better there um and then there's some fun stuff too like um Cosmetics. I know at times it does, maybe doesn't sound fun, but it's kind of fun to see how you know the hunting industry has changed so much from extremely digital camo patterns, right, just as high definition as could be, to now a lot of the camo patterns are that are becoming popular again are like older patterns. Like we reintroduced our Fred Bear pattern that was a playoff Fred's original pattern. Um, We have Mossy Oak bottom lands back in our line again. It's, it's fun to see some of those um, older patterns, so to say, or retro, I guess is the, the word the kids like to use now, or my kids would say, come back into mainstream.
0: Yeah. But isn't that the the truth with everything though? Like I'm a, I'm a product of the eighties, right? So even today, if I bought my kids a Nintendo, with all of the crazy stuff that they have, they would think that's real cool, I think. And, and the same goes with fashion. It's almost like uh, it may not come back as big as it was originally, but at some point, all fads or, or looks kind of come back into play at some, at some point.
1: It sure seems like that. Yeah. And a lot of it, well... Like you just said, I'm kind of a product of the 80s as well. So when you see that older camel, you're like, yeah, I love it. Because yeah. I remember liking it the first time. I sure like it the second time.
0: Exactly. Um, so, you know, we, you mentioned voting, right? And, and how the consumer basically votes on what they like. How does that then influence the next product line out of bear?
1: So I would say it greatly influenced it. So a bear, we are very fortunate that we're full of um, hunters and archers alike. So we all kind of have our own feelings on, you know, some of us like more solid back walls. some of us don't. Um, So any archer, I feel it can become pretty opinionated, especially once you do it a lot to kind of become like an expert level at it. And then... We use, you know, those thoughts and feelings, and then of course you mix it with what the consumer is buying, right? And where that, where they're they're moving. So I would say they have the most influence on on what we do. Yeah. And you can definitely see it through the years on archery, where you see speed kind of drives us for a while, and then maybe um, vibration free drives drives people for a while. I mean, there always seems to be kind of, I want to say one or two specs, but kind of a direction you could tell that the industry heads.
0: Right. Why do you think that is, especially with compound bows? Because I would assume that just an overall good bow would trump every, like one specific category. Like for me, and this is just one person's opinion, but I would rather have a bow that has Uh, a great draw cycle and low hand shock as opposed to a bow that hits 500 feet per second. You know what I mean? Like how do you guys weigh one category versus the other?
1: Um, I would say we're lucky enough that we can have, many models that everybody seems to like that you'll see us maybe weigh in one model that speed is more important to us. And then maybe in another model, complete balance is more important to us. So we're pretty fortunate to be able to have multiple models so we can kind of focus that way. Yeah. Um, that way we can give, because what you said is really valid. What we look at it is what we, how we look at it is there's not one perfect bow that would just answer every consumer's needs and we're, we're happy that that's true unless it was one of ours and we'd even be more happy about it being true yeah. but it's because it's not everybody likes to try different things, right? So we we try to make sure that we just don't, well, we're going to only have the fastest bows because to what you just said, we would miss out on some customers that wanna that aren't looking for the exact fastest bow. Gotcha. And I would say our flagship kind of works that way, right? Like we tried to make sure that it's still very fast, but it's a little bit longer ATA compared to what some hunting bows are, but a lot of vibration technology. So we really try to give You know, I like to think of like the best of multiple categories to make one bow.
0: Yeah. Okay. So in your opinion, talk to us a little bit, not just about bear, but the, you know, from, from what you know. Right. What is the what is the compound bow market like right now? Uh, are we heading in a specific direction? Do you uh, have any trends identified? And, and just kind of an overall conversation about the, the compound bow market in general.
1: Well, we think, and this is super high level, but ease of use, we believe, is very important right now to the consumer. Everything that's happened in the two years. Or last two years with COVID and everything. I mean, it's a, it's affected all industries. Yep. And and really all of us, right? Um, the whole world. So a lot of you, a lot of us then has had to start to do things more on our own, where it's not as easy. There for a while, it wasn't very easy to go to your local pro shop and stuff and get work done on on your bow. So, like, many of our models, and, and many of them had it for a long time, you know, have adjustable modules. So, I'll just give you a general. A lot of them are, are adjustable from, like, 25 to 30 inches. So, you're able to adjust that draw length without even using without even using a bow press. Yeah. So, we try to, you know, that's one thing that we, we definitely see them – see the maybe the world is more that way and some of that happened before covid of course too where youtube and things like that has definitely changed um people's perspective on stuff because you can just about look look up how to do anything, anything. on anything yep. yes yep. um so who had ever thought you could look up how to fix your dryer online and and be able to actually do it but you can right, right. so archery is not that technical so we we definitely see that, but we also see that um, balance seems to be more of the 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 thing more than anything. Now you people want something that shoots really really well, accurate, fast, but then also smooth. So a balanced hunting bow, um, which is where we always kind of focus, is definitely you know where where we see where where we see ourselves at. And then we also just see the market, especially after COVID seems to be that way with kind of the influx of, of new archers. You don't want to be intimidating by having things that are difficult to work on.
0: Yeah. Okay. This is a question that like, I'm not an engineer, so I I don't know how to answer this question if someone was to ask me this. So that's why I'm going to ask you someone who's in, in it all the time. Um, Let's say I look on a piece of paper and I'm looking at the specs, just paper of this year's bow compared to last year's bow compared to the previous years, even five, 10 years ago, the, the, the specs kind of look the same. And I'm not talking about bear in general. I'm talking about all all bow companies, right?
1: Yeah, you're correct.
0: How, how does the, you know, how do we get away from people going, well, there's this, this, and this, well, you know, that doesn't matter anymore. Like to me, the, the specs on a bow don't matter anymore because we've evolved past this. You know, we've evolved into better technology, better design, better uh, innovation, all that stuff. How how do you think that we're ever going to reach like a plateau or are we there now? Or how do we get out of a plateau if we are on one? Like what what's that conversation look like?
1: Yeah, that's tough. The bows are all extremely efficient, like you said. I mean, once you get to a certain level, all of us make great compound bows that are very efficient just about everywhere there can be. I mean, we're, um, you know, the limbs with the carbon that we're all using, what the – all the materials – Are really you know the best of the best especially when you compare to like five six years ago because sometimes people will say well the specs close to 10 years ago it's like shoot those two bows together and tell me they're the same exactly the only but the only thing i could think is like what you said the more availability and places to go to shoot i think and and that does seem to increase with more pro shops and other places that allow you to to try the bows feels like the answer to that question is when a guy can actually shoot them and you don't just have to read the specs you can go in and be like can i try these five bows and really you know get them all set kind of like almost shopping for shoes i mean you know this as an archer um you need them all set for you so if you're a 28 inch draw length if you could shoot four bows all at 28 inch and whatever weight you wanted to shoot boy, you could really kind of just forget about the specs and just go off what felt best for you.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I recommend that rec- Recommend that all the time. Like, I know a lot of people are brand loyal. Um, I am going to say I probably am not. Um, I lean towards what feels comfortable uh, for me. Sometimes that's the same brand over and over again, and sometimes it's not. So um, do you think brand loyalty has a lot to to play in how people um pick their their archery equipment and is that a good thing or a bad thing
1: so i definitely think it it definitely weighs heavy that there there is a lot of brand loyalty in compound bows i would been in the um outdoor industry a long time and probably i mean almost as i would say there's as much loyalty in compound bows as potentially firearms and really anything else so a lot of brand loyalty on well i've got to check out the new the new bear bow right? right so we'll use our brand loyalty which we we love and you know bears have bears been around a very very long time since 1933 so lots of brand loyalty there right so i think that helps get people on well that's my brand i'm gonna check out what they have new all the time um but i do think when you know, certain pro shops and things like that, you're able to shoot multiple brands like we talked. And then as for it's good or bad, obviously I work for a brand, so I think it's good. Yeah. And now from the flip side of that, we went, we, we of course like the fair share of if you're looking for a bow with great balance or something like that, and you've always shot brand X, we would love for you to give our brand a try. Yeah. So it kind of goes twofold there. But you get it, as brands go, there's so much more than just the specs and the performance. It's yeah. customer service, availability, longevity, so many things start to, you know, become a factor.
0: Yeah. All right. So um let me ask you this this question. Kind of just popped in my head about I don't know if you have any uh data on this, but you've mentioned that Bear Bows has been around a, a long time. And you have potentially some people who have been shooting bare bows for 40 plus years uh, or something like that, okay? What do those, uh, what is that demographic? Maybe someone in their 50s and 60s who's still a compound bow um, shooter, still uses bear. How do their likes and dislikes differ or are similar from someone who maybe have only been shooting a compound bow for five years and maybe they're in their 20s
1: yeah i think what we i will actually say especially this last couple of years that we've seen many archers resurface that used to shoot a long time ago and then you know now that we were all forced home and do more things on our own through covid we had kind of a rush of people really wanting to talk and ask about solo combos, mm-hmm. which were very, very popular, you know, five, 10 years ago, we have still kept, tried to keep um, usually at least three in the line for the last few years. But that was something that kind of surprised us a little bit on how many questions and how popular they became again, lately in our line. Um, and as we talked to more people, it was a lot of, a lot of individuals that shot them when they were that thing in the early 90s right um and then kind of just or early 90s kind of early late 90s and and on through the last few years so i do think sometimes when you get out of a sport and then get back into it maybe you're not quite um aware of all the different technologies in there but then i would i would also say like our core um guy that really likes our brand there's certain things we do very similar a lot um you know how we how we how our mods work to change the draw lengths if you start to adjust that too much you kind of hear from people also um the way that especially in bows it feels like the way that the handle and the grip on bows um tend to be pretty specific to brands and then people start to really gravitate to the those small things like that
0: gotcha so when you mentioned this this ease of use right a lot of these companies are going to the ease of use where you you don't even need to have a bow press to make some of these adjustments on on the bow itself who are you making these adjustments for or let's the, the, say new design new innovation knowing that i mean do, i should ask a, a different question first do you feel more people work on their bows by themselves, or do you feel more people take it to a bow shop?
1: Um, I think it depends on the on what type of bow you buy. I definitely think that there's, I mean, we're in a society now where people like to work more on their own stuff than than we ever have been. So I think certain bows, like I would say, like our legit bow, we're kind of an entry level, mid to entry level bow where we make it almost like like they're on on the actual cam, I mean it will tell you if you're at 23 inches or or 29 inches. and then also on bows like that, you know they're kind of meant so you could start, I'm gonna say younger teens, something like that so you could grow. So you know you could start yeah. when you're only at 24 inch and then to wherever you end up, that bow could go all the way to 70 pounds. So something like that where you know you're gonna have to change it every now and then. I definitely think that customer works on their bow quite a bit. Yeah. But then when you're kind of, you know, I'm going to call myself more mature, I know what my draw length's going to be. Um, and I know a lot from which cam I'm looking at on how their draw curves are probably going to be just by studying how they're, you know, their are track one, two, three, just depending on what type of cam I'm buying. But I'm not going to work on that very much. You know, I take that to a pro shop, tell them to set it at 28 inches and, in my weight and then go from there and let a pro shop fine tune that. So I think it's a little different when you're talking at different price points. Right.
0: So with that said, then when you guys are sitting down and you're at the round table of what's going to happen in the next year, what's going to happen in the next five years, all that stuff, how do you guys make decisions based off of that specific demographic? And I mean, like, is this bow going to be dealt with at a bow shop and need a bow press and have a professional look at it? Or is this change and in innovation going to lead more towards the guy who can do it himself in his garage?
1: So I would say, I know this is, isn't a very exciting answer, but we try to make it both because there is no doubt that taking a bow to a pro shop with a professional working on it can do things to a bow that... You, you might not be able to do it at home, even with a bow press. I mean, um, experience matters when you're talking on anybody's bow. I mean, the fine-tuning and things like that, the pro shops, especially with really good archery technicians, can do to bows, you know, there's there's so many fine-tune adjustments you can do to really make a bow just perform, just like an automobile, right? That, um, But then there's also could you work on it at home and make it perform very well too if you had a bow press and things like that? Of course. And then you get into what accessories and things like that, that all matter as well, right? So are you using a capture rest like a whisker biscuit? Are you using a drop away? And then depending on the drop away, you know, how much tuning do you need to do on that? Is it limb driven? Is it cable driven? So there's just so many different aspects to look at that. And the beauty of those pro shops are, you know, they're, they're probably an expert on every scenario that I can think of and there's thousands of them that you could come up with versus just, you know, picking one and trying to do it your first time still can. So I could say that a lot of our bows, we want to make sure that they're great right out of the box. And then of course, if you get um, the more, more time you can spend with the pro shop and getting things set up, the better. Okay. All right. Let's talk about
0: some of the, the lines that you guys have a little bit and uh talk about i think you mentioned uh, there's a couple there's two that we should at least at least talk about one is the legend series and one is the mainline series let's talk a little bit about the new the the new bows from the legend series what's changed from the previous year um kind of talk to us about any any major changes any little changes any innovation that was was tweaked to make this you know last year's innovation um tweaked to make this year's bow uh, better or different
1: yeah so really the the big one would be our refine which it replaced in our line called the, the status eko bow so the cam stayed the same with some small tweaks but um the overall bow had some some major changes so it's a complete new riser and then within that riser we changed our, we put our VRS, VRS system inside of it. And the VRS system um, we introduced on the Redemption last year. But even with that, we added more to it than we had before. So it's not just our standard um, VRS system. So on our VRS system, we have, we have what we call our vibration disks. Um, those disks really moved. Um, to the outside of the riser more in front of the riser then we also added one to our our string catch um, rod that came across which really helps grab any vibration that the string might be putting in that as it catches we also um, made the string catch itself a little bit bigger and dense changed the material that we had in there um, and saw some great vibration Reduction properties by by doing that. We also put a new grip on this bow It's called our grizz grip and we didn't make drastic changes to our grips that we offered before But we added just a little bit. I'm going to call it just a little bit more of a palm swell So it's not oversized by any means um, But just kind of grabs there right in your palm kind of on the back side of your thumb there as you get into your palm just helps your hand rest just a little bit better and kind of more consistent then on where your hand hits the neck of the bow on the riser right there so we're pretty excited about that we've had a lot of people comment that you know a lot of people like a minimal grip like like no grip if if possible and many of those people have told us then that they were surprised how much they like this grip and would use it versus just um having a very slender grip, which we do offer with that bow as well.
0: Okay. Maybe I missed this. Uh, What is the, what's the EKO stand for?
1: Oh, so our EKO cam, so it's, it's what we call our cam or echo. So we kind of call it EKO or echo. And really what, and really what we focused on on that is that cam is adjustable with let off. So you can get 75, 80, 85 and 90%. So I should have probably mentioned this on more adjustment too. So I'm glad you called that back out. So what we did on on that is so, again, without a bow press, it's all in our manuals on how to do it, is we allow you to, you know, if you set your bow at 28 inches or whatever your draw length is, you can then fine tune it on the cam um, to what let off you want at that draw length. I
0: got you. Okay, makes sense.
1: And. And of course, a lot of people kind of like, well, in certain states, you have to be at certain letoffs, but then some people might want, oh, I'm just making it up 75% for turkey hunting, but maybe on an outcome where they think they have to hold it longer, they want 90. Either way, you can, you can change it and there's no wrong way to do it.
0: Okay. Um, any other new uh, from the, uh, the refine or the legend series, any, any new bows or any new technology you want to touch base on?
1: Um, The other really thing I think that would be there's there's actually two other two other bows well one other bow in the Legend series it's called our Whitetail Legend Pro okay. so we launched the Whitetail Legend um, last year and had really good success with it and of course that's also a play off of you know the Fred Bear's original Whitetail Hunter. um, so a lot of people gravitated to that name, but of course there's a lot more technology in this bow um, as time has changed. What we did on this bow is, again, the Refine has all the best that we can offer when it comes to vibration, things like that. Um, the Whitetail Pro still features the EKO Cam, um, and but then becomes a, a much better price point type bow or maybe get you into archery if you can't afford our flagship so it starts at like a 559 MSRP versus a refined being a thousand dollars MSRP and you're still getting some great specs almost 340 speed Um, this bow is a little bit shorter though at a 30 inch axle axle um, which is still very popular and then it's still adjustable from 26 to 30 so it gets you some really good specs at a little bit more affordable price um, and does not, it still does well on vibration, but doesn't have the full VRS system that the other bow has. It does have in limb dampeners, um, that we just re- redesigned this last year. And then also does have a good string stop that helps take some vibration out as well. Gotcha. And a different grip system.
0: Gotcha. So. Uh, I'm just, I'm looking at the specs between both bows right now. I believe, uh, the, oh, the, the EKO that we just talked about, uh, the, ref, the refined EKO, uh, was like 4.4 4 pounds. And the one that we just talked about here, um, the whitetail hunter was 3.8 pounds. Now, yes. man, I, I just feel like bows are getting lighter and lighter and lighter, um, is is there such thing as too light? I mean, do we hit a point where it's just I don't know? We're we're starting to shoot a a pool noodle compared to a you know a, a solid, or is that where the design comes in?
1: Oh, it's definitely where the design comes in. I would tell you. So we test. If, you know, we wouldn't if we, we would make sure that everything's structurally sound, no matter what the right. weight would be. Right. So right. Um, we there's a a very A very robust testing um, procedure on all of our bows um, no matter what the bow is it but with that with weight so back to kind of when you talked about what's our round table so we see there's there's a group customers that can't be too light and then there's another group customers where it can't be too heavy and of course just like most things as as a bow is a little bit heavier it's, of course, easier to take vibration and things like that out, right? Especially felt vibration, because there's more than one type of vibration. But then also, then as you get lighter, it gets a little bit more difficult. But one thing also that these allow you, because we're talking bare bows here, right? So if you're starting at 3.8 pounds and you don't have any accessories on it yet, you can keep the bow fairly light as long as you want it to be with what accessories you end up putting on there, right? So... Or you can make it heavy by putting heavier accessories on there and adding weight in certain places, stabilizers and and whatnot. Um, so we kinda wanna make sure that our customer has a, the choice to be able to do that. Right, okay. And then also that weight that you add to the bow, depending on where you put that weight, changes the balance. Um, and some people like the bows to balance a little bit different too.
0: Right, you know, that's a, that's a great point that you know, some, some, some grips on bows are right dead center in the, in the middle of the riser. Some are lower, some are a lot lower, um, than, than center. What does that do to the balance of the bow?
1: So right off the bat, um, like after a shot, or even when you're holding the bow, some will want to rock forward more or some won't want to rock forward at all. Um, so where you change that grip has a huge, huge impact on that. Also then as you're shooting and stuff, um, that, that feel changes as well too, but that's also now that's all adjustable on certain, you know, that's why you see some people have longer stabilizers and then also depending on where you put your weight. Cause some people, it's not just how it'll rock. It's some people want it to rock forward fast, meaning they'll put a lot of weight out front or, so after shot wants to, to move quickly. Um, I like it to, for hunting purposes, I like it to be pretty balanced, um, and use like a sidebar and do some different things like that. But ev- everybody's different. So we want to be able to allow you to be able to adjust it the way you like it too.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, what about the next lineup, the main line, what's new from the main line?
1: So there's a lot new in the main line, as well. Um, Escalate is new, which is pretty exciting. The bow underneath it, though, is probably the one I'm the most excited to talk about, the Resurgence. Um, the Escalate, though, what's very exciting about it is in our main line, we didn't offer um, much on the vrs systems before and now we do so this has not quite everything that the refine does but it does have the two discs inside the riser they're almost hidden how we have them inside but um, we really do a lot of research and a lot of i would just say trial and error on where to place those inside the riser to get the most bang for our buck so to say on where we put them where it reduces the vibration the most and then this particular riser though that was definitely where it worked out the best but it kind of hides them inside there and then this also gets our our grizz grip which we're pretty excited about this bow is a little bit shorter than the refine which is a flagship in the main line so still gives you a very high performing bow but some people like that a little bit shorter axle-to-axle. This is a 31. um, Still very fast at 339. And this also does have our in-limb dampeners as well. So you get quite a bit of vibration dampening properties within this bow as well. But a little bit shorter.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And then you mentioned the Resurgence.
1: So the Resurgence is, is a really fun bow for us. So this has a new cam for us this year. So we call it our... DHC hybrid cam so we bear has done hybrid cams for for a a long long time years and years and they used to be our our uh, kind of our best the best cam for a long time until we developed the EKO about two years ago Um, now we had always kept it at 75% let off so this year this is the first time bear had done a hybrid cam and 80% let off so it was very exciting for us Um, and of course you're getting some different draw draw cycles in between an EKO cam and a, a hybrid cam, which which is fine. So that way, some customers like that feel a little bit better. Um, this 80% cam, I think, feels great, and especially if you like something that's really solid once you draw it. Um, but everybody kind of has their own opinion there. It's still very fast at 335 um, on this particular bow. It's at that 32-inch axle axle, which, you know, is not quite as short as what you see on the market now with a lot of 29s and 30s, but not as long where you're starting to see some trend more back to those 33s and 34s. We also were pretty excited on this particular cam that it goes from 25.5 to 31. So that, that's getting a lot of draw length, so you can really fine-tune your draw length on this. Yeah,
0: and like you said, grow with the bow if uh you know you need to you need to bump up
1: yep and where we're excited to is with bear we fred bear's passionate what passion was to get everybody good in the archery i mean that's why it kind of started with the traditional and things like that and then morphed in to compound bow and even crossbow so we 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 think about that stuff all the time at bear so, I mean, the price point on this bow is, is 629 as a package, meaning you get the rest and the, the rest and the quiver and stabilizer and sight. I mean, really everything you need to, to get going. And there's a lot of bow on a lot of bow for your money there with that new cam. So yeah. that, that's why that one's so exciting to me.
0: Gotcha. All right. So let's see here. I, I got a, I got a question. Um, when, when you, when you guys are sitting around and we talked short term there for a second, we talked about, you know, earlier in the podcast, we talked about how do you guys go about sitting down and, and, uh, figuring out what is going to happen for the next year. Right. And then the year after that and whatnot, what, what are your conversations like, um, for like a five year or a 10 year plan? Number one, from the standpoint that you guys have been around, for so long and number two how it seems that trends especially in the compound bow market seem to be like on a wing they're not like a five-year trend then another five-year trend it seems like there's a trend this year is going to be short axle to axle next year it could be long axle to axle and like and how do you keep up with that
1: (laughs) isn't it crazy how it seems to go from ditch to ditch at times yeah um I would say so. We we try to we, we make sure that we have plans out in the future. We're always trying to test and develop multiple things. So to your point on like, um, how do you stay ahead of it? I, I think we we try to stay on top of it, being that we're always testing new concepts. Nothing starts out bad because you just don't know how things will test. I mean, we have a great group of engineers, and you have to have that to keep to keep moving forward to see if there's ways to do things better and I think what you have to definitely stay away from is like oh yeah that cams perfect it can never be better right we we don't think like that I mean don't get me wrong we get very happy with our cams and we would never introduce something that we didn't think was great but we're always like wow I wonder if there's a way to get more let off on there or can you get more let off but have a, a preferable draw curve as you do it I mean there's so many small technical ways to improve on things like that
0: yep absolutely absolutely well uh ryan man i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and chat with us and a very awesome conversation very interesting uh about bear um if people want to maybe go test out a bow or find more information out about uh bear archery and and any of the accessories that you guys kind of have where should we send them
1: um so beararchery.com is a great research Resource to go check out any of the the bows and things we carry. Also, on there, we have a dealer locator. And, you know, I would encourage anybody to try to go find a dealer as close as you can to you and, you know, test drive some of these, see what feels best for you.
0: Absolutely. All right, Ryan, really appreciate your time. Thank you much.
1: Thank you.